Hi there, it's your host Jamie Crampton from Pits and Gids Podcast. I'd like to say a big thank you to anyone who's listened to the podcast so far. Hopefully we're going to make 2021 an even better year with even more stories. Have a merry gigmas and a rocking new year. It's Christmas! Hi, this is the Bits and Gigs podcast, where we live the years of gigs in the past. I'm Jamie, an avid gig goer, amateur musician, and the host with the most. And today I'm joined by Nathan. How's it going, Nathan? Oh, it's going quite lovely over here. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good, just uh, trying to ease my way through through these very strange times at the moment. How, how, how are these strange times dealing with you at the moment? Oh, huh. that, that, that's another story upon itself. <laughs> Uh, things have definitely gotten a lot better recently in weird enough times. Uh, still currently looking for work, but uh, things are looking up lately. I certainly hope you can find work in a very short span. It's a really tough time for anyone at the moment trying to pull through that and you know deal with the stresses of, of life whilst trying to know move forward through this um but i guess being in america i'm gonna assume that recent changes in the country have slightly made things better for you no yes um, so far it's hard to say so i haven't think that anything has been affected yet i, I don't think anything's going to affect until january i think it is but Politically, it's definitely different here. It feels more calm where I'm at, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas before, I imagined it was a bit chaotic with a guy at the top who, well, yeah, nothing, yeah. nothing, <laughs> nothing more needs to be said about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So today, we're going to talk about a gig at the Crocodile in Seattle on November in November 2015, which was a show seeing Dance Gavin Dance on their 10-year anniversary tour. Uh, a bit of background, and I've got to be honest, Dance Gavin Dance are a new band to me since you mentioned this to me, so thank you very much for introducing me to this new band. Indeed. I love um, sharing music. Definitely. And the more music shared, the more love we can bring to everyone, and just music makes everything better, so... Dance Gavin Vance uh, is an American rock band that were formed in Sacramento, California in 2005. The band currently consists of vocalists Tillian Peterson, John Ness, Will Swain, Tim Ferrick, and Matthew Mingus. And the formerly included lead vocalist Johnny Craig and Kurt Travis, which has kind of evolved other lineup changes since their inception. 
It's one of Mingus are currently the only members of the band who have appeared on every studio album. So, Nathan, do you want to tell us a bit how you get involved with Dance Coming Dance? And because I'm new to the band, what you know and tell me a bit about the band, please. So, Dance Coming Dance, uh, when I got into them, that was, uh, geez, I think 2014 or 2015. It was right before their album, Instant Gratification, which was also, I believe, what introduced me into their new lead singer, uh, Tillian. But uh, I think I was on Pandora back when I was using that, and they came across one of my uh, Enter Shikari stations, and I was listening, and I was like, whoa, this has a very pop-like vibe to it. It's still metal, but it's like very up, beat almost you can dance to it kind of thing and that just like threw me in into what dance given dance was and upon exploring i realized that like each of the singers have a different vibe to how they sing so i went back to like the johnny craig days and that's almost like a uh, very emotional raw setting like you can really just like Belt your heart out too and just like let out all that emotion. Uh, the Kurt Travis days, those ones just feel more uh, not party rock, but very. Uh, oh, man, I don't know how to explain that one. Oh, maybe <laughs> like. <laughs> uh, yeah, wow, I don't know how to explain the Kurt Travis days except for party rock. <laughs> And then, yeah, Dent or Tillian Peters, is it Peterson? Uh, I forgot his last name. Uh, he brought the more like mainstream, like popular dancier vibe to it. And I think yeah. that's when most people got into dance, Kevin Dance. Yeah, yeah. We mentioned before we started recording that I, I had a, a listen to, to some of the tracks, and I may have just caught one of the years, but to me, it was a very um, kind of new age bring me the horizon kind of that kind of electronic heavy rock you know metal rock kind of style yeah i'll agree to that so dance Gavin dance have nine studio albums to date their first album was released in 2007 which was called downtown battle mountain and that featured the singles and i remember mentioning to this before we started recording the single names, before I start going on to the singles, have the oddest titles. Um, <laughs> when, I, when I first spoke to you, before we started recording, I was like, yeah, they sound like a very kind of Bring Me Horizon kind of band. But then the titles give it away that they might be a Tenacious D kind of band because the titles just make no sense. <laughs> um, I couldn't decide whether... There was a parody rock band, or like this was serious or not. It was less like, is this, a, is this like Tenacious D or Electric Six meets Bring Me the Horizon? <laughs> oh, I would love to see whatever that band would be. But uh, I could definitely see where some of the songs would feel like they would be parodies. Like the album we're going to talk about has a song called The Backwards Pumpkin Song. <laughs> so, <laughs> what what goes through their head when they think of these names kind of thing yeah I mean um, yeah it's 
where do you come up with these names? You you must just be like, you've obviously written the song. You've you've kind of, and we'll go through the names in a minute. But you've obviously written the song, and you sat there just like, guys, we need to actually title the song. We can't just call it Demo One. Um, let's call it Backward Pumpkin Song. Like, <laughs> yeah, you'd have to be smoking something to come up with some of these names. <laughs> Oh, it's uh, funny you mentioned that with that singer. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, I did read there was there was there was one of the singers there that, that has had a bit of controversy surrounding surrounding him. Um, was it the lead singer Johnny Craig had some issues? Oh yeah, yeah. Him? yeah it, it's gotten him out of a a couple bands so far. I'm not sure if that was the reason for Dance Kevin Dance, but yeah. So it's it, just, just his drug use, was it? Or? Yeah, it comes to his drug use and his uh, productivity and dependability that came down to it. Someone so talented, like, if, you, if, you, if you're as talented as you are, it's, it's a real shame, isn't it? I mean, oh, do you know if he's, he's in Slaves now, obviously? Um, do you know if kind of it beat off at all, or if... Still having trouble with it, or do you follow Actually, slaves much? Uh, with slaves, I think it was just last year, but they had to kick him out again due to his drug use. Jesus Christ! Like I think like he wasn't even back for six months or so. Wow! And they've they've obviously had um, another singer, Kurt Travis. Do you know kind of how that kind of fell apart? Was 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 it kind of a mutual thing or unfortunately i don't know that one either i want to say it was mutual because i never see any like controversy based around him and stuff like that but yeah i think he just kind of moved on yeah i can't say for sure but that's just what i've been assuming if these these guys have had more lineup changes than paramount <laughs> <laughs> not saying something anyway yeah nine studios al- albums always strange um, single names. Uh, the first album was Downtown Battle Mountain in 2007 with singles And I Told Them, I Invented Times New Roman, Lemon Harang Tai, <laughs> The Backwards Pumpkin Song, and Open Your Eyes and Look North. The next album was Dance Gavin Dance in 2008 with The Robot with Human Hair Part 3, Alex English, Me and Zoloff Get Along Just Fine, and Caviar. The next album was Happiness in 2009, with singles Don't Tell Dave, NASA, and Tree Village. And then the next album was Downtown Battle Mountain 2, 2011, with the singles Heat Seeking Ghost of Sex. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. I was even writing these out, and I didn't really appreciate how (laughs) strange The Robot with Human Hair, Pint Two and a Half, and Pumps Bumps. Try saying that when you've had a few pints. <laughs> the next album was Acceptance Speech in 2013, featuring <laughs> singles <laughs> The Robot with Human Hair, Part Four. Jesus, this has got more parts than Battle of Hell. The Acceptance, Spe- Acceptance Speech, Jesus H. Mer- Macy, Strawberry Swisher, Part Three. And death of the robot with human hair. Oh, the robot with human hair died. 
Hey, rest in peace. <laughs> With a robot with human hair, rest in peace. 2013. He may have died and actually resurrected to become the president of the United States. Yeah. <laughs> Controversial. Uh, I want to correct myself from something earlier. It looks like acceptance speech was actually where Tillian was introduced. Because so I saw these songs and was like, oh, wait, I, I'm starting to remember now that those were Tillian and not Kurt. So Tillian's been in since 2013 till date, is it? Yeah, yeah. Seems to be. The next album was Instant Gratification 2015, and the singles were On the Run, We On the Night, Stroke God, Millionaire, and Eagle, Eagles versus Crows. The next album they released was Mothership in 2016, which featured the singles Chucky versus the Giant Tortoise, Betrayed by the Game, Young Robot, I wonder if he's got anything to do with the robot with human hair, and Inspire the Liars. The next album was Artificial Selection in 2018, uh, featuring the singles Midnight Crusade, Son of Robot, Care, Count Bassie, and Hair Song. And they released an album this year on April the 24th um, called Afterburner, featuring the singles Prisoners, Strawberries Wait, Lyrics Lie, and Three Wishes. All those albums that we spoke about there, including the latest one now, which don't even have much time to digest there, would you be able to pick a favourite album on there and have any favourite tracks from, from those albums? It honestly would have to be a tie-up between two albums, actually. Uh, when Mothership was coming out, they had this video for Young Robot that I just really fell in love with, with how it was all done and I really enjoyed the story where it was, where like this one robot was in school and they were like kind of breaking out, going against the teacher, and it was like this epic chase scene. And then, of course, the song's really good. That song, also, or that song, that album also had Man of the Year, which if I'm ever in a mood to just like have a song that I know and I like to scream it out, Man of the Year is always my go to choice. So is that the song for showing a really crappy day is more of that man of yours. Oh yeah, that's that, that, to improve it. it. It's as aggressive as you can get on that album, from what I know. Okay, and what would be what would the overall album be? Sorry, that you were you you was tying up with. I think that have to go to happiness actually, with Kurt Travis. Because okay. Tree Village is amazing, and like it started the Strawberry Swisher series, which I am a huge fan of each and every Strawberry Swisher song, and including Death of a Strawberry. So, for anyone who isn't a fan of Dance Gavin Dance, and, and myself being included, who isn't a, a fully fledged fan just yet, do you want to give us an insight in what a Strawberry Swisher series is? <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, it sounds very, very odd on the surface. Uh, so, I believe Swishers were like a form of cigar here. And, like, the strawberry just might be the flavor, but, like, the songs obviously don't have anything to do with strawberry Swishers. <laughs> they feel more of a, um, kind of like a love song, a relationship song. So, like, some of them are, like, upbeat. Some of them are more, like the downfall of a relationship, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't seem like it has anything to do with Strawberry Swishers. So the songs themselves aren't connected. 
it's more oh, no. the titles that are connected. Indeed, indeed. Okay, okay. This tour was the 10-year anniversary of Dance Gavin Dance, um, oh, as yeah. you mentioned before. So kind of, how did you get tickets for this? And, you know, what kind of happened with getting tickets and whatnot? It was so beautiful. I, uh, I believe I was starting college at that time when tickets were getting announced. And I was just like, I really want to treat myself to a good show. And I saw this was coming out. And at, when this was uh, all getting set up, I was really a fan of the A Lot Like Birds, Kurt Travis's other band. And so out of all of these, for some reason, A Lot Like Birds was what sold it most for me over Dance, Kevin Dance and everything. And uh, yeah, I just loaded up the Ticketmaster and I got it going. Sadly, none of my friends wanted to go. So just one ticket, simple enough. You've got your tickets for the show. You're kind of leading up to it. And the support acts for this show were Slaves, A Lot Like Birds, Dayshell, and Strawberry Girls. So if we run through the acts in that order, um, Slaves, did you know much about this band? Obviously, it featured the lead vocalist, ex-lead vocalist of Dance Gavin Dance, Johnny Craig. Were you a big fan of Slaves? Uh, at that time, I actually was. But more of like just like the Johnny Craig days before anyone else sang in that band. Like, uh, I think one of the songs that like I can go to whenever I'm having a bad day and it still just kind of gets me going is My Soul is Empty and Full of White Girls. <laughs> but it's, I don't know, just like, I know the song might not be uplifting, but it makes me feel good for some reason. Again. Just like. Does the, does the name have anything to do with the song? <laughs> it's more like a uh, trying to get over someone song. Okay, yeah, yeah. The best so song. It, it's almost there. But like, Slaves definitely had some interesting songs down there. It must just be the genre. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be the genre as well. So, yeah, and what did you think about Slaves when you, when you saw them on this support in uh, dance governance i was in awe like uh at this time johnny craig he had such good vocals on this show that i was just nearly blown away by each song that came on and <laughs> this may sound silly but i also really dug the outfit he chose because it was like very laid back in seattle-esque where it was like the beanie like a really <laughs> bright hoodie some uh like sweats and stuff like that, but really nice shoes. <laughs> I think during the set, not many people were like into like jumping around or moshing and stuff like that. I'm not sure if it was because of the controversy or if they weren't too into slaves, but like, man, I was, I was going all into it and I was having fun. No one else is around you is doing it. Start, start the part yourself. Yeah. It's a I, fun time, you know? Yeah. And I remember, uh, the band before them, they, I think they were the most wild out of everything, even over the main band, Dance Gavin Dance. But so they might have just been resting on this when Slaves came on. <laughs> um, and was the band, the band before them a lot like Birds? Yeah. Yeah. So another band featuring our next Dance Gavin Dance 
um, vocalist Kurt Travis. Um, were you a big fan of these before the show? I think you mentioned actually you was a fan of these, and these were kind of. Oh yeah, this was another band I found uh, through Anna Shikari's playlist on uh, Pandora. Their song uh, "Kuroi Ledge" like came on, and I was just kind of in awe by how they did it because it's like they have the regular vocals; it sounds like a metal song, but then they mellow it out, and it's almost like spoken poetry comes at you in like this soft guitar in the back, the drums just hitting the side and it's just like peaceful but it builds up and just hits you again very hard at the end okay so uh, um, what did you think of these live then but did, did they meet your expectations or oh god yeah Kurt Travis and uh I believe the other guys Corey Lockwood they just saying their hearts out they look like they were just having the time of their lives and it feels a lot better when you can see the bands having just as much fun as the crowd, you know? Definitely, definitely. So, like, seeing that just made the whole experience so much better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I said about the Blink-182 kind of experience I had, when you can see the band is disengaged from what's going on, it really ruins the show. But if the band are super engaged and super kind of, they look like they want to be there. They like they're excited to be there. Then you know it's it just makes things a million times better. Oh yeah, you know? I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, and it feels like they're they're putting more into the show because they want to. I think that's one of the reasons I like Enter Shikari so much as well, because I haven't. They've only done like small personable shows that I've been to so far. Like, yeah, and Enter Shikari always just give it 100 150% like the... Uh, but yeah, the Alali Birds show, that, especially since they ended on Kuro Ledge, it just, that song now is just like always sticking out to me whenever I mention them, and that's always like the first song I'll recommend by them. The next band that's part of them, or the band before, that's Day Show. Did you know much about Day Show before the show at all? Actually, no. This was my first day shell experience. And how and, was the experience? Uh, wild and rowdy and very heavy. <laughs> I think um, their first song in, uh, there was this dude next to me that was like doing like that hardcore mosh stuff where they're like throwing punches, throwing kicks, doing like jumps and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, it got a fellow behind him to do that as well. But somehow the fellow behind him did like a spin kick and it got him in the face. Oh, so like he just dropped to the floor. We helped him back up and he just had blood rushing down his face. The band is still going (laughs) and he's just like, I'm still going to mosh out. I could still rock it out. And we're like, nah, dude, you got, you got to go take it easy. (laughs) Man, oh that, <laughs> that was my first day shell experience did he, did he get medical attention and all we got him down to the end and he was checked out and but then returned to the mosh pit <laughs> actually i haven't seen him any time after that i don't remember oh, jesus oh, if anything he might have just stayed in the back 
Well, hopefully we uh, we get this um, we get some some coverage on this podcast. We might be able to reunite your your moshing friend and yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. And a nice a nice re- re- reunion. Um, the guy who helped him out. <laughs> the first um, meeting, like, hey, you're the guy that got kicked in the face. <laughs> and you say that, um, I think I touched on a previous episode of the podcast, that the metal community is is incredibly nice in terms of if someone gets knocked down, like, you pick them up. You know, oh, you, absolutely. You know, it's so such a respectful and nice community you know the next band then and the final band um really was strawberry girls did you know much about strawberry girls before the show uh this was another band that was my first experience but after this show i definitely got a lot into them (laughs) going back to what i was what we were talking about how like if a band enjoys what they're playing it just makes it all that much better these guys are like an instrumental band and it features the Ex dance given dance guitarist and uh, almost pop like, but it was all instrumental and you were just like grooving, you were dancing, you were just having a good time. <laughs> I remember I got in, I got in awe during that because uh, the drummer was just going ham and that was the first time I ever seen like I think it was either like a crash. One of the symbols on his drums just kept breaking pieces off because how hard he was hitting it and just. <laughs> Ham and stuff like that. Jesus Christ. The first song that they played was Stroke God Millionaire. Um, Classic. Fan of that song yet? Good opener? It, it was a decent opener. Not one of the best, but I was still like, all in on it. Because, like, man, they can hype up a show like no other. Oh, so, so did they have, like, a big building intro to it, or...? Not exactly. It was more like just the anticipation was getting to us, and they like kept doing little teases on the sides and stuff like that. And then they come out and do this hard song, "Stroke God Millionaire," and it's just like immediately everyone's jumping and having a good time. That's what you need in your first song. That's what you need. Um. Then they then they go into "On the Run." That one um, I don't remember much of. Completely flat out. On Stroke God Millionaire, like, and you just, it's a blur from there. It might be, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's, I'm blanking on that one. I, I Yeah, <laughs> I must have just been too exhausted from Stroke God. <laughs> so then they run into Strawberry Swisher Part 3. I um, bet I was belting out my lungs. <laughs> uh, into Death of a Strawberry. Same thing, belting out my lungs. I remember those, like the back of my hand. <laughs> I was just how much uh, Tillian and John were into those was just like you couldn't help but sing along. Like even if you didn't know the words, like it was leaving your mouth no matter what. So they go into the jiggler, um, so you go from the jiggler into variation. That one I don't remember much of actually. Well, hopefully you've got memories of the next four songs because the next four songs. We're all done with previous vocalists of the band. Oh, so yeah. Had Tree Village, Rock Solid, which were done with Kurt Travis. And and I told them I invented Tamsin Roman, 
and the robot with human hair part two and a half of Johnny Gray. Do you want to tell us about how that kind of worked? Yeah. Uh, after variation, it kind of like everything went black and like the instruments were softly playing and like you couldn't see anything. No lights were on. And then like as soon as the lights come back on, Kurt Travis is there instead of Tillian and like they immediately just start with Tree Village and just going into it and uh, what was it? Yeah. And then they do it again for Johnny Craig as well. And it's just all a good time. Just like feeling the connection, seeing the band together again and them playing their old songs. Like, you know, you're there that this is an experience that's not going to happen again. And and it takes something for like someone like Tillian to kind of step aside and let the, the other guys kind of do that and, you know, kind of step in and, and, and whatnot. They must all be kind of like internally good mates and all to be able to just, there's no ego trips to, you know. Yeah. And it was like catching off guard. Just how easy they just switch off. And it, was it literally just that? Was it was just like you wouldn't have even realized it was not a different band, but the transition was just so. It, it was very obvious because, like, it's just each singer has a different sound that comes with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, besides the vocals, if you just listen to the instrumentals, you can hear every difference that are into it. So, do you think if the current singer would have sang those last four songs, it would have sound completely different? There, it would have been definitely a different vibe to it. Like, I'm not sure if his vocals would fit some of those kind of styles because it would feel much more poppy than it was more intended, especially if it got to the, the Johnny Craig days. I'm not sure if I can not hear Johnny Craig sing those kind of songs, especially Times New Roman. That's such a very raw, emotional song. Yeah, yeah. So, it, yeah, there would have definitely been a clear difference on that one. Obviously, they, 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 they go off stage um, after that, they come on with the encore. And for the encore, they bring all three of the front men on. And what was the vibe like when you got all three of those on? Like, they even so, got their old guitarist up there, if I remember right. So, like, both Will Swan and the old guitarist were just jamming out as well. But, like, it was so wholesome. Because, like, they get up there and they're, like, immediately still just like hugging each other just being in each other's arms just you see all the smiles on their faces they're just like talking with each other and walking onto the stage and stuff like that and how did it work with the three front men did they do like a verse each or did they you know how did it work between them all they more so just kept like taking turns and stuff like that like of course they're obviously having fun and smiling like that but they kept like playing off of each other all three of them and like I'm not sure if they chose beforehand, like who sings what, but it all just felt supernatural. Like, it, it was just phenomenal. Even if it was rehearsed, you would never have guessed it was just so organic, was it? Exactly. It's like they were reading each other's minds and like they were having another conversation to each other while singing. That honestly sounds like fantastic. I know there's plenty of bands that I would have loved to have seen in my time that you know, could have had different members doing different things like that. And to have that experience must have been amazing for you in the crowd. Oh, geez. Yeah. That 
This was an experience I've never seen the likes of again. Do you think it will ever happen again? Uh, it It's hard to say with like the whole set list. I'd like the optimist in me wants to say yes, and I don't know what that'll be for like a 15 year or something like that. So to finish the, the set list off, to finish off on We On The Night, what would you just say? Good, good closer of the song? Yes. That is such a good closer because it's just like each of the choruses have like the slow build up to it. And like uh, if uh, you listen to this song, Tillian's voice reaches like these super highs and it's very melodic the way he sings. And on the other side, it's John Mess screaming all these lyrics while Tillian is doing these long extended vocals. So it's like and layered, layered vocals along with obviously the music and everything going around. Oh yeah, exactly. Like if you haven't heard Dance Kevin dance much yet, check out We Own the Night and you will know exactly what I mean. It is definitely an experience to hear. So as an overall set list then, kind of what were your views on it? Would you I noticed it was very short set lists, so I suppose the million dollar question is, is that's probably because of the, the amount of bands had on before. Would you have taken away a band to have more of uh, Dance Kevin Dance? Or? Actually, I probably could have gone without seeing Dayshell because I wasn't really sure their connection to Dance Kevin Dance. And like more so, I don't know if the feel of that band was much more aggressive than any of the other sets even dance kevin dance so i feel like they could have tried to like got that spot to try to get more uh experience with even some of the other singers in there yeah, yeah. like the other singers only had two songs each as tillian had however many like seven or eight yeah so yeah they, so they definitely could have made room you you would have preferred more kind of more of the the older stuff with the with the the older singers in there oh yeah by far okay okay but like as an overall set list you know you you give it what an eight out of ten ten out of ten nine out of ten it, it, it has to be a nine out of ten like for what was out at this moment they just chose exclusively like their best and if you were going to ex- see them for an experience this is the ultimate experience that you could have gone to have you seen him since? Uh, yeah, I've seen Dance Game and Dance a couple more times after that. Which, and did you show quite amounts? I mean, it's hard to amount to something like this. This was phenomenal. The feeling I've had for this, I've only had one other time. And that was uh, when I saw Temple of the Dog. And that was like a few years ago. Thank you very much, Nathan, for joining me today. It has been amazing hearing about your experience. Thank you for giving me the outlet to talk about the experience. This was lovely. No, anytime, anytime. And if you've uh, ever got any of the shows, any ever experiences you want to talk to, you know, you're always welcome back on the show. Yeah, I'll I'll be happy to give you a heads up when I got something else to talk about. <laughs> well, hopefully this uh, pandemic ends soon enough that we all have more stories to talk about. Oh, hopefully. Please do a review wherever you listen to this, and we want your stories just like Nathan's here. So please contact us at pitsandgigs at gmail.com or on any of the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, 
at Pits and Cakes Podcast. As per usual, we'll never say goodbye, we just say... Network.